Mm -hmm. Nice to see you all. Um, good news for you, I have two points today. Bad news, one of them has six sub points. <laughs> <laughs> However, we'll try to be uh, appropriately brief. There's an awful lot in here, isn't there? It's a great start. But let me start with just one of those opening preacher questions for you to think about. Uh, question is, what are we here for? Or another way of putting it, what is your life all about? Or maybe, what makes your life count for something? What at the end of the day will make people say, gee, he matters. I won't hear from anyone else. Um, there's a couple of pictures that are going to come up. Now, this tells my age. Does anyone remember who this is? Yes. 2012 Olympics. You would think for an Olympic athlete, winning a gold medal, gold medal made life count for something. Well, here's what she said a little while later when she talked about the depression and basically the emptiness in her life after becoming an Olympic gold medalist. She said, it's almost easier to come second because you have something to aim for when you finish. When you win, you suddenly feel lost. Uh, next slide, please. Or how about this? This looks, this is in the Canadian uh, West. It's rather an idyllic looking place, isn't it? Would that be worth your life? living there, an idyll in Canada. This is Lytton, British Columbia. On the 29th of June, 2021, it broke the record for the highest temperature ever recorded in Canada, 49.6 Celsius, which is hotter than the all-time record highs for all of Europe and all of South America. The day after breaking that record, a wildfire swept through the valley and destroyed 90% of the village. And the people who built their lives in that idyllic place will probably never live there again. It has been completely wiped off the map. And as you know, with COVID and the lockdown, Lizzie made reference to this in her prayers. Life perhaps will never be the same again for some people. Life is sort of going back, sort of towards normal for many of us, but it doesn't feel the same. And there are thousands of families for whom life will never be the same. Those sorts of questions matter. What are we here for? What's life about? How can I be sure that my life counts for anything? Well, there's answers, and there's really good answers in Psalm 145. Have a look down now at your Bible. What do you think the psalmist's answer is? What are we here for? What makes our life count? It's a fairly obvious question and answer in this psalm. Here in verse one, this is the king of Israel, the most important, the most powerful man in his whole region, this is his answer. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And then 
Then in verse 21, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. That's the answer to the question, what is my life for? How will I count? All of us here today, we, we were made to praise God. We were made to know our creator. And because he is so amazing, we were made to praise our creator day after day, forever and ever. That's the point of life. That's the point of life for all the people around us in Worcester Park, in Sutton, in Epsom, across this world. That has been the point for all the generations that came before. That will be the point for all the generations who come after. There is one great calling for humanity to praise the God who made us and who cares for us. So that forever and ever the name of God will be praised. That's what life is about. Now, a question follows How can I do this? I could ask questions about how we've been doing this week. Has this felt like our calling? I won't dwell on those questions. We all know, actually, we're failures many times in this, aren't we? So we want the psalmist to help us this morning. So we won't dwell on our failures. We will go where the psalmist goes. Because he will help us by telling us about the God who deserves our praise and worship. And that's our sermon today. But I do want you to remember one important point, which Martin raised last week in the psalm he was preaching. It's really important to remember that Jesus has fulfilled this psalm for us. So the one David says, I will praise your name forever and ever. If you're a believer, it's not, your first move should not be, I don't do that. I can't do that. Your first move should actually be, thank God for Jesus, because he did that. And if I trust him, I stand in that place. So as we go through the psalm, please be encouraged if you're a believer here today. Jesus prays this psalm for us. Jesus lives this psalm for us. Jesus lived this psalm for us. So these words of encouragement are real and they're true. And actually we can trust them and we can go away encouraged and helped today. So please remember that Jesus has fulfilled this psalm. We mustn't go away thinking, I cannot live up to that. We have one who does. So, what should we say about God from this psalm? Well, there are lots of things, aren't there? There's 21 verses. I've got six things to say. There are six Gs. They are not coming up on the screen. No papers, you need to listen well. Um, and I'll do them briefly. Greatness, goodness, generosity, grace, guarantee, and glory. There are probably others as well. If you find I've missed some, please don't bend my ear afterwards. But, but these are all here and they're all good. Now, let's start with greatness. Um, put your eyes in verse three. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Now that word fathom, 
that tells you what God's greatness is like. No one can fathom. It's a very old-fashioned word. Does anyone know how deep a fathom is? Sorry? No, it's six feet. Six feet. Some of you here are a fathom tall. And what you did, if you were a sailor, you wanted to know where in the sea you were. One of the important things is how deep is this part of the sea? Am I going to run aground? They had a rope on the ship. They had it's a very long rope. They had knots every six feet. And they would let out the rope with a weight, and it would go down and down and down to the bottom. And every time that a knot broke the surface, you count as one fathom, two, three, four. Now, if you happen to have your boat above the deepest part of the deepest ocean in the world, and if you count a, a fathom a second, you can fathom the ocean in about an hour. Okay, the sea is deep, but it's not that deep. But try fathoming God. Try letting out your rope. And every six feet, count something about him. Some aspect of his character. Some, it sounds silly, just some sort of measure of how big and how great God is. You will find you keep on going. On your rope, keeps on going. And you can have a rope that stretches right around the universe and you cannot get to the depth of God. Because how can you fathom someone who makes a universe from nothing? How can you get to the depths of someone who says this world is wicked and sends 30 days of rain to wipe out mankind? Apart from Noah. How can you fathom a God who says to the most powerful ruler, Pharaoh, I've had enough of you enslaving my people. You will let them go. And send plague after plague after plague until the unwilling and angry Pharaoh is forced to his knees. How can you measure the one who owns the universe and rules the whole of history? How can you fathom the one who is bringing together all of the past, all of the present, and all of the future into one perfect, unchangeable plan, centered around his son, Jesus, with the great highlight of the cross. How can you fathom a God who loved the people who hated him so much that he came to earth, he took on their sin, he was humiliated and shamed, and he died alone and in agony. How can you fathom a God like that? You cannot, can you? Let's marvel this morning about the greatness of our God. And goodness. Carl referred to goodness. Verse 13. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. Do people ever disappoint you? Does anyone ever let you down? Do you ever make mistakes? Do you ever do wrong things? Hear that little word, all. 
All he promises, he will keep. All he does will be right and true. All his ways are righteous. Not once, not ever, has God failed to be good. Not once, not ever, will he break a promise, will he forget a thing he's promised to do, will he fail to be pure and holy. God is good. And Jesus, think about this. Jesus is the one man who has been perfectly good, who is perfectly good. Remember that voice from heaven and his baptism? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So as we think about the God who is good in all his ways, Let's be grateful for Jesus, the one who pleases him in everything, the one who is our goodness is here this morning as we trust him. How about the generosity of God? Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hands and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Now let's just spend a little bit of time on that because we often, I grew up as a farmer and my dad was a farmer and farmers would often explain that Tangies, not that he used that phrase, but Tangies, they didn't understand where their food came from. Um, That was in the context of um, milk prices being very low, farmers being almost bankrupted because people weren't prepared to pay a decent amount. But anyway, there you go. Um, on behalf of farmers everywhere. Um, but it was a fair point, wasn't it? Most people don't know where a tomato comes from or which way up a banana tree grows. Or whether peanuts hang from a bush or grow in the ground. Those sorts of things, do they? Think about your lunch. Where does it come from? What does it depend on? It depends on sunshine. It depends on soil. It depends on rain being not the sort of rain out there all the time that washes the crops away, but nice gentle rain that waters the crops and makes them grow. Depends on weed killers. It depends on protection from animals and pests, from them not being being a forgotten the word. Um, cloud of locusts that come over and eat all the crops as they're growing. It needs people to farm the land. It needs peace for those farmers to work in safety. And there are countries that people starve when there's not peace. It needs transportation. And of course, you need money in your wallet to go and buy it. Well, that's just your lunch. You can trace all of that for your lunch, and you can trace everything that's connected with your workplace, your home, your very breath today, back to the God who made the world and who sustains the world and who provides for the world. So when it says here, you give them their food at the proper time, actually, when you're having your lunch today, you're having your lunch because God is generous to us and he gives us what we need. When you breathe in and out sitting here this morning, 
You breathe in and out because God's spirit is sustaining you and giving you life. Everything we have comes from God. And I think it will be good to reflect on that. Everything we have comes from God. We should be a grateful people. Just an ordinary day in an ordinary world, going off to work, going off to school, going home and having lunch, are reasons to be grateful to a generous God. And we can all hear, can't we, those words of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28. More than food, we need more than that. So we need more than clothes. We need rest for our souls. Life is hard. Life is crushing sometimes. Jesus, the generous one, says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the psalmist says to us this morning, you have a generous God who is good to you. And you have Jesus who loves you. And he says, come to me and find rest again today. Now you'd think that would be enough for the human race, wouldn't it? The greatness of God who made this world. The goodness of God who has kept all of his promises. The generosity of God who gives us what we need every day. Do you think that would be enough for humanity to respond and say, wow, Lord, you're great. Thank you. But you know that's not how people respond, is it? That's not how people have responded since Adam in the Garden of Eden, surrounded with all of God's blessings. And listened to the lie that said, no, that's not enough. God's hiding stuff from you. He's being mean. Humanity has lived for generations ungrateful, uncaring, rebellious, frankly deserving of judgment since the first day of Adam's fall and ever since. So grace, that's the word that sits over history. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he's made. How has this world got to 2021 AD without being destroyed by a vengeful God? It's because the Lord is gracious and compassionate. How have six billion people, many, many of whom live against God, grown to adulthood and thrive on this world today. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. That's what the cross says. God comes down to save because he's gracious. That's what the gospel says. The Lord wants a message to go out to say, come, have my grace, know my compassion. That's why Jesus is not returning yet, because God is gracious, slow to anger. And here are the words of Jesus, the gracious one, the one who had to die so that God could be gracious. He says to us this morning, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high. For he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, 
just as your Father is merciful. Finally, nearly, second last actually, um, guarantee. God is gracious. God keeps his promises. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Verse 20, the Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. It's great that God is great that God is good, that God is generous, that God is gracious. But it's good too that he has put a guarantee on all of this. His kingdom will last. He will return. He will make everything new and right. That reign, that dominion in verse 13, which we see in the gospel and the church, one day Jesus will come and he will put that reign here on earth. Everyone will bow the knee before him. So we have a guarantee this morning. God is good and Jesus will come and make everything right. Remember that this morning. Revelation 11 talks of heaven standing open and a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven follow him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That Jesus is coming back. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is coming to make God's rule plain and clear across the universe. To wipe away every tear and to bring in a realm in which goodness Generosity, grace are seen in everything, and it's wonderful. This is who the God of Psalm 145 is this morning. Final one, very quickly glory. Verse 4 one, commend, one generation commends your works to another, they tell of your mighty acts, they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. So we've thought just a little bit of God's greatness, his goodness, his generosity, his grace, his guarantee. That is his glory. All of that combined. He is like no one else. So what a privilege this morning to belong to the living God. To have glimpses of glory and to know that glory is ours. All seen in Jesus, God's glory made human and come down to us. Let me finish with a verse from John and then we'll pray. Let's go out this morning remembering Jesus. Who was he? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are great, that you are good, that you are generous. Thank you that you are gracious. Thank you that you guarantee a perfect end and a perfect future. Thank you that this is all of your glory that we see. Thank you that we can see it because of Jesus, who came down full of grace and truth. Please help us to trust him again. Help us to praise him again, I pray this week. In Jesus' name, amen.